I'm Shreen Patek, and this is Starting Out. Digiday's newest podcast, where I take the personal route with the movers and shakers in the marketing industry to find out their story, how they became the leaders they are today, and what's their special power that makes their craft so remarkable. You know, when I turned 40, basically, I had that midlife crisis. I had that thing, like, you know, like, if, if I do this for one more day, like, I may be doing it forever, and am I okay with that? On today's show, Ian Schaefer, a longtime agency veteran who I met years ago when he had to teach me what programmatic advertising even was. Ian, founder of Deep Focus and chief experience officer at Engine Group, recently made the decision to leave the company to start what he's calling his next chapter. I was born in Brooklyn. I lived in Staten Island until I was going into fourth grade. And then um, I moved to central New Jersey, Jersey Shore, literally like where the cast of Jersey Shore, like we all went to high school together, at least with the older siblings of the cast. Um, so um, I was in the Schaefer, Sorrentino, we were in the same homeroom. My father was in the media business. So he, um, he was uh, vice president of market research at ABC. And um, so we had like televisions in every room. I watched, you know, it was, I watched a ton of television. It's helped create a bit of the addiction to popular culture that sticks with me today. I was a better, I think I was smarter than I was a good student. I, w- I would say that people are probably surprised that I was able to start a company. <laughs> and you actually, didn't get the most likely to start a company. Yeah, no, I, th- I actually got most likely to be a cartoon character uh, when I was in high school. Um, like I was student council president in high school, so I thought like I, you know, I might have a career in people liking me, <laughs> which would be politics. So that's why I went to DC, just go to school. But um, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't think anybody had a feeling that I'm, you know, be like a successful business person. Um, and neither did I, to be honest with you. It just, it was, I just felt like I needed to monetize being creative and I actually had no creative talent. So like, what could I do with that? Um, and so the only answer was like, find a way to surround yourself with creative people, which is why my first job was at an agency. And went to the film business and then started a company. Ian's career has had many chapters from his time at Miramax to founding Deep Focus at 26 to then selling the agency and sticking around for a decade. It's been quite the ride, but he still maintains that getting into the agency business was an accident. I, when I started the agency, I did not come from a school, even though I worked at an agency bef- two jobs before, like I was not um, an agency guy. Like I didn't aim to be Ogilvy or Burnback. Um, I, I just, I did not even like the business model. For me, it was just an excuse at 26 years old to do all the things that I wanted to do for all the people that I wanted to work with uh, in an industry, um, in that time was the, the film and entertainment industry, um, that I knew re- really well. I started a company because I thought I was smarter than everybody else. I didn't feel like I could work for anybody else because I was probably smarter than anyone that I would work for, um, which is turns out not to be true. <laughs> also, um, turns out to be exactly what you need to think when you start a company. Like you have to be have that a certain amount of stubbornness, a certain amount of humility, um, a, a, a willingness to learn, um, and uh, and frankly, like money. Like in my case, the money came from the people that I knew in the industry that would pay us right out of the gate because they trusted me. Um, 
So it felt like I could, you know, monetize myself by starting a company, um, which in turn would bring in enough revenues because, you know, an individual person doesn't scale very well, but a company can. Um, so, it, you know, it's just my way of bringing, of, of taking advantage of a bunch of the relationships that I had, um, you know, albeit, and I started with a partner, by the way, um, and it didn't work out with that partner. Um, and so I wound up buying him out um, pretty early. But those are the kinds of things that happen that you learn along the way that, um, that you have to deal with. Like if you can't work for somebody, you have to learn to work with other people um, and you have to learn how to have other people work for you. These are all things that I learned um, by fire. I mean, frankly, like you don't get taught any of that stuff. I just, you know, had to figure it out along the way. Starting the agency was, uh, it was fun because my, my mentality about starting it was, look, I'm 26. If this doesn't work out, I get another job. Like I didn't have a family to feed. Um, you know, I didn't have, I didn't care how many hours I worked. Um, it was, it was fine. Like, you know, it, there, there was, there was stress about like, uh, like, business performance. Um, and it actually manifested itself in some, um, in like physical health issues that I went through in the early days of starting the agency, um, and actually still deal with to this day, um, you know, that were brought on by like kind of just operating company stress. Um, you know, again, like, you know, meeting, meeting payroll, knowing that like these people are believing in me to be able to feed their family. You know, it's not for the faint of heart. And I think I'm faint of heart a little bit. And so it's, uh, I had to deal with that. When I realized I was the business development person, I was the, the senior most account person. Um, and I was also the bookkeeper. Um, realizing that there was only so much that I could take on. Um, and if I continued to take all of that stuff on, I'd wind up being great at none of them. Um, and so you kind of learn along the way that you, you actually need to delegate to people that you trust. An agency business at 26, there are very few people who can start a business and even fewer get it right the first time. Ian did it right and the company thrived. But management is not easy. It's no secret that with expansion come more decisions, more employees, and of course, less sleep. One, one of the gifts that you have to somehow endow upon yourself when you, when you start a business um, or start anything new for that matter, is you have to figure out how to sleep because it's very uh, easy to not sleep because your brain races at night. I mean, one of my favorite songs in the world is, um, is the song uh, Overkill by Men at Work. And that song, that song is basically about insomnia and like all the things that race through your head, you know, before you go to bed. And, and, and it's, uh, it's very easy to fall prey to that. So you've got to figure out like all the things that um, you need to do to sleep well at night. But in that space of time where you're not asleep and you are falling asleep, and invariably the thing that runs through your head is basically like all the what if scenarios. What if I don't make payroll? What if I don't, um, what if I made the wrong decision today about the direction of the company? What if I didn't say that stupid thing I said in the all staff meeting? <laughs> all of those things, you know, are there and it's hard to not get to some kinds of, some kind of existential crisis about, you know, whether or not you should even still be doing what you're doing. About, about two years ago, I, I, you know, I, I told myself that if I'm, if I'm here past the age of 45, 
uh, I'm a lifer. Every award, every accolade, every you know, great everything that somebody said was great that I might have done uh, in advertising. Um, every success that the agency had might mean and reinforce that I'm actually not good at anything else but doing that. And that was a fear that I had, a complex that I gave myself because I felt like um, I might be great at a bunch of different things um, and that's the thing that I chose to be great at. Um, and the challenge that I have to myself is can I be great at something else? I expect literally everything out of myself um, and I will it's, I think I've proven to myself that I would, that I would, I would put everything on the line for myself and for what I believe that I'm capable of doing. Um, and I think that's, um, you know, that, that's, I kind of willed the success to happen. And I'm wondering if, can I will that, to, can I will myself to success in something else? The best thing about Ian is that he seems to be always on. Even so, turning 40 came with certain realizations, namely that he's not 25 anymore. You know, again, like turning 40, start realizing a lot of things about yourself. Like you can no longer be on 40 under 40 lists, for example, okay. is one it of them. It could be on 40 over 40. Uh, uh, 50 over 50. So I was on, recently on a 40 over 40 list, and that was maybe worse than not being on a 40 <laughs> under 40 list. Uh, it just felt like, uh, like congratulations, like you've survived. I still feel young, and it, it's a little, um, it, it, it's a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like, you feel mortal. And like, I, you know, I don't, I don't like thinking about mortality at all. A lot of this is motivated by fear. A lot of things in my life have been motivated by fear. Um, you know, I, I, I have in some way a fear of, um, and maybe what took me so long, because if you look at other agencies that have, you know, where the founders have sold, very few of them stick around for seven years, like I did. Um, and, um, you know, one of the reasons I did that was because I loved the place and the people. But one of the other reasons was knowing that it would probably be my last ever agency job um, or advertising job, maybe. And um, would other people think I was qualified to do anything else? When I turned 40, basically, I had that midlife crisis. I had that thing like, you know, like if, if I do this for one more day, like I may be doing it forever. And am I OK with that? And so. I had to I had to come to terms with that, and I had to like start planning. And I think, um, you know, when I was forty, uh, whether I knew it or not, I was already starting to plan my exit from the industry. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. After this break, Ian will talk about how he made the exit and the lessons that he's taking forward. But right now, a quick break to tell you about a live podcast event from Digiday Plus, our premium membership product. We're offering 50 passes to you, our podcast listeners, for our next Digiday Plus live podcast event. On January 24th at 5.30 p.m., Digiday Editor-in-Chief Brian Morrissey will talk to Bleacher Report CRO Howard Mittman at their office here in New York City. And there's much to discuss. The pivot to video, done right and done wrong, the importance of brand and media today and whether the rush to e-commerce will hit a wall please join us these passes are normally available to digiday plus members so if you'd like a pass please email us at plus events at digiday.com and be sure to include your first and last name these limited number of passes will be given out on a first come first served basis so register now and don't miss it now back to the episode so you made the decision at 40 but you're 42 now what took you two years um Succession planning, right? Making sure that, uh, you know, you are leaving the place in, a, in the right state and in the best place for it to be successful. So making sure that, um, you know, the, the, 
the business itself was health was was healthy um, and and could exist without me and that goes from everything from leadership to business development to uh, operations um, so uh, was there a, mental preparedness mental preparedness was another thing the, the agency itself is something that I wanted to outlive me of course yeah, it would be great if it outlived me my life um, but I wanted to be able to I wanted it to be able to outlive me I'd rather do that than then again like have and be killed or be deemed irrelevant. And so like, I felt like, you know, it's kind of like walking like Barry Sanders, you know, I'm no Barry Sanders, but it was like Barry Sanders walking away from his career, um, you know, when like the goings were still good. Um, he's not really doing much of anything now because he made so much money playing football. But yeah, it was the right time for him. And I think for me, it was the right time. Like it, it feels like it was the right thing to do. And again, not just for me, but I think also for the sake of the business for the people that work there. Um, you know, I felt like, you know, people were, even though they may never have said it other than like, <laughs> like a anonymous online forum somewhere, like I felt that, you know, in some ways, like some people felt that they existed there in the service of me. And I think that's always the case with like a very vocal leader. I'd feel more, I'd feel better about what I've done if that agency, if, if the agency is successful without me. So the exit aside, now what? It's funny, like over, over the last, oh, 15 years, certainly deep focus. Um, I've gotten to see a lot of other companies really early on, whether it was MySpace or Facebook or YouTube or Twitter. Um, and I've seen them grow literally from the founders, like all the way through to these much larger companies. Um, and I've always been interested in that, you know, and even in my kind of later tenure at Deep Focus, I was able to, you know, sit on the board of directors of a startup and kind of understand a lot of the ways that venture-backed companies operate, which was very different than the way bootstrapped agencies operate. You might say the bootstrapped agency actually operates responsibly, while the, the VC-backed startup like, operates um, artificially. Like there, there are a lot of different uh, ways that a company like that needs to operate in favor of building its value versus you know, the agency world of just building its business. And so... Um, I was curious about about that other side, and you know, in the in the last few years, been able to sit on like a you know board of a, a company that had a successful exit, thankfully. So I'm one for one. So maybe I'm a good luck good luck charm. Um, there was uh, you know there there's I've made some personal investments and in, in a handful of things here and there, and so I've just been really spending the last few weeks getting closer to those and getting closer to those people and. Um, you know, meeting people that uh, I've always wanted to meet with, but have otherwise been maybe too busy to meet with. And so um, I've been trying to like soak up a lot of different perspectives. Um, and I think that's my plan for, for the, the short term is to, um, is to learn more, learn more through people. I've learned uh, that I'm generally older than everybody else, which is a weird thing for me to come to grips with because I feel like I literally walk around thinking that I'm 25 years old. Now, 25 years old with Which three, is three how old kids. you were when you launched Deep Focus. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so nothing, 26. you know, so everything, everything stayed exactly. I feel same. like I've been frozen in time and I'm literally, I've just unfroze myself, except I'm actually much older than, uh, than I, than I maybe feel. And I'm, I'm like sitting here and like we're bonding and like, I'm thinking we're friends and like, and I think like, can a 42 year old be a friend of a 25 year old? Um, and, uh, I guess the answer is yes. Um, you know, but it's, 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 a, it's a little weird. It's just, you know, that, that I feel like I've seen so much more than the average 25 year old. And I have to figure out like, all right, so how do I use that to my advantage to help 
you know, in this case, like a 25 or 26 year old, like founder, not make the same mistakes that I did or lead them to make the same mistakes that I did and hopefully learn the right lessons from them. So there's, um, you know, just learning that, um, that the world in front of you is a lot different than the world that then the road in front of you is a lot different than the road that you left behind, right? The road behind me, it's not likely to be repeated again. For me, I feel like, uh, I need to do something important. I don't know what that means, honestly. Um, you know, I've, I, there are a lot of things that I'm very passionate about. Um, you know, I, I'm passionate about, um, journalism. Like I, I've, I did, I did give a grant to my, uh, my alma mater to build a, a program there that is, uh, focused on, um, preserving the future of the journalism business model, whatever that is, whatever that looks like going forward. So, um, you know, I'm actively involved in things like that. Um, you know, there's, um, yeah, I feel like anything I do needs to have a strong philanthropic element. It's something that I introduced into the agency, um, and I think it made it a, it made a, a big positive impact on the culture. And so, um, you know, for me, if if I do anything again, it's probably going to be culture related, and therefore, for me, it like has to in some way benefit society. Um, and again, whether that's many things or one thing, um, that's that's something that ha- it has to have uh, in common with. So I feel like that's I that I will do that in some way. Um, it's probably not going to be necessarily for somebody like running the, you know, philanthropic group of a big company, <laughs> um, or kind of probably running anything for a big company. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll, f- I'll figure out my own way of doing that and giving back. That was Ian Schaefer, and it's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Aditi Sangal. If you like our show, please subscribe. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And while you're there, please rate us and leave us a five-star review. I'm Shereen Patek. We'll see you next week.